A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So we've had a bit more clarity on both candidates' economic plans over the weekend as we head into a pretty dire cost of living crisis. Katie, can you tell me what the Trust campaign has said more about how she intends to help people in the coming months? So yeah, I think ever since that Bank of England forecast pointed a 15-month recession and inflation hitting perhaps even more than 13%, it has really refocused the leadership contest back to the economy. Now, we know from early on that was always where there was the biggest difference, but I think the conversation had moved to, you know, things like foreign policy, mm. to education, and, you know, immigration, while those conversations are still going, I think it has just brought things back to earth. And over the weekend, a row kicked off whereby you had a situation where Liz Truss gave an interview to the Financial Times. She suggested that rather than handouts, she would fix cost of living in a conservative manner, saying lowering the tax burden was her number one priority. Now, team Rishi Sunak quickly seized on this, went on the attack saying this idea of having no handouts is nothing short of crazy. Look at the fact that we expect the energy price cap to rise significantly come October and you're going to have to have more in terms of emergency relief, uh, whoever takes over. Um, Rishi Sunak has said that he will have more but has not given figures yet. And various Sunak supporters going out to, you know, accuse Liz Trust of being irresponsible. Now, the reply from the Trust camp is effectively that's a misconstruing her position, because if you look at the further parts of the interview, she did say, of course, she would look at things and hasn't ruled it out. So then you had Penny Morden out on the Sunday round, all of a sudden a Trust backer saying, actually, there could be help. But I think what it does point to is the fact that Liz Truss would run a very different government than the government came before, at least based on what she is saying. Because while Boris Johnson talked lots about cutting taxes, ultimately mm. Rishi Sunak did play a really important role as Chancellor in leading the course. And when, I think when Liz Truss says she'll do things in a conservative way, well, first off, that does mean we know that her instinct is to cut taxes. Mm. There could also be emergency relief. It seems like it's pretty inevitable. Look at what the IFS has said and the fact that you'll need to have billions more, Paul Johnson has said, to, to, to offer those vulnerable households. But also, if you think about things that Rishi Sunak did, such as the windfall tax, mm. now that is pretty unconservative if, if you speak to most Tory MPs. Um, it was a policy proposed by Labour that Boris Johnson's number 10 aides, some of them kicked really strongly back on. But the Treasury, and specifically Rishi Sunak, drove it through. And one of the reasons was it was it polled very well it looked very popular and although it wouldn't fix all the problems they thought you do it you Mm. remove something which Labour is going to keep talking about and you move forward that way would Prime Minister Trust do a windfall tax I think it's hard to imagine that in the current circumstances which would please I think lots of her Tory colleagues but you get to a situation which is I think one of the big questions is if you know as we currently expect Trust is far ahead so if Trust takes over and she is Prime Minister how much of the rhetoric is then action? Mm. Because we haven't seen her as Chancellor, and so, you know, let alone Prime Minister, I think there is a question which is 
is all the current talking about how, you know, tax cuts are by far the priority going to translate into a very different policy before, or will she end up compromising considering some of those things which don't feel very conservative, but when you're in the daily running of the government, you, you feel you're being pushed towards. And I think that that is probably, as the days go on this contest, we have more hustings this week, I would expect to see both pressed, even if not now doing much media, on... Well, yes, you're saying more help, but what specific help and how are you going to fund it? That's a really good question, James. Well, what do you think? Could uh, both candidates kind of be pushed towards this more centre ground? Rishi Sunak promising a few more tax cuts than he has so far. Liz Trust promising a few more handouts because once the reality of a situation faces them when they're in office, they have different calculus. I think in reality, whoever wins this contest is going to have to come up with a support package for households for bills given how big the increase is going to be the increase is going to be considerably larger than what was expected when the government announced its support package measures in may and i think that the other problem is the trust campaign are now talking about kind of an instant reversal of uh, national insurance rights that they can do it much faster than they previously thought the thing about national insurance is, and it's one of the criticisms of, of using it to fund the health and social care levy, is that it's only paid by the kind of working age population. So it doesn't do very much for pensioners, who obviously are particular challenges, or for people who are out of work or on low incomes, because there's quite a high threshold when you start paying national insurance. So I suspect that, that whatever the position's taken in this campaign, there will, there will have to be some kind of emergency set of measures mm. i think Katie is a very interesting point on the windfall tax which is that this windfall tax that rishi sunak put in place which lots of tories as katie said we're not keen on but that will carry on generating revenue i think until i think it has a sunset clause in 2024 so the the, the, the point the point in a way is not will you introduce a windfall tax Will you get rid of the windfall tax that is currently there? I would be surprised if Liz Trust was to do that if she were to win, just because I think at the moment with the size of these energy company profits and what they are spending their profits on, so it's not it's not like all the money is going on trying to bring on marginal mar, like forms of developing gas fields that would normally be uneconomic because but are now economic because of the high prices. You know, there's a lot of share buybacks going on and all the like. And so I think that, that I suspect in those circumstances that choosing to have a fight over repealing the windfall tax would be unlikely to be a priority. But we know that she said that she doesn't like windfall taxes and we know that Kwasi mm. Kwarteng, close ally of hers, the business secretary, even after the government did it, he made clear that he still didn't like it. And so I, I think there are there are clearly going to be tensions there about what you can do. I mean, whatever you think about this leadership contest, one of the things we, I think, are beginning to kind of come to terms with is quite what this winter and mm. autumn and winter could feel like and I think we've talked a lot about price which is understandable obviously it's a, it's a massive issue affecting households but there is also the issue about whether the lights will stay on or not and I think one of the under price scenarios here is that because the UK has not kept up its gas storage we are at the moment sending gas to Europe to bolster their gas storage. And our expectation is that in the colder months, they will send energy to us through the interconnectors, which will allow us to keep the lights on. The thing I would say is, I just think COVID did remind us that when 
you are in a kind of proper crisis, then borders have a tendency to reassert themselves. And mm. I mean, that, that is a worry, one worry for the UK. And the second worry, the second, one of the advantages the UK has, it has lots of LNG terminals. And that means that it can accept lots of, of but I think that the scramble for LNG in the coming months is going to be much like the scramble for PPE during the pandemic, which is these tankers will kind of turn around on a higher bid. And we've not signed kind of long-term contracts to kind of lock in, which you could argue is sensible given the price. But again, it's one of these things that is going to put pressure on the ability to keep the lights on. I think one of the things we haven't thought about that much is what happens when all these things that we we, we have, that, that people have understandably taken for granted, mm-hmm. cease to be totally true. I think that that is a... The social backlash. But, but yeah, and also just kind of, what, how it makes people think about mm-hmm. you know yeah. everything um, yeah, yeah. Is, is, I think, an interesting issue. Katie, there was an interesting poll from YouGov today which suggested that 64% of voters, general voters, think that the next prime minister should prioritise inflation compared to tax cuts. Now, this is obviously not off uh, Tory members, so they don't have a vote in this current leadership contest. But do you think that kind of general view of the country matters? Or what are the implications of something like this? Well, I think, as you just said, I mean, ultimately, these aren't the people voting. Um, and we know that the membership so far have, have liked the idea of Liz Truss's tax cuts. I do think that among supporters of Rishi Sunak and in the Sunak campaign, there is a feeling that as focus tightens on the economy, they may get uh, more of a hearing when it comes to thinking through the specifics of each candidate's plans for the economy. And they think this is an area where Rishi Sunak is the most confident, he's the most comfortable at the time as Chancellor. And actually, as people grow concerned, which we saw a bit, I think, last week in the, among the undecided group in that sky head-to-head, people raising concerns about what Liz Truss's plans could mean for their mortgages and so forth, that this could benefit them in terms of their message. So I, I do think, generally speaking, the contest moving to the economy we have seen polls which obviously suggest that Liz Truss is very far ahead but I do think a obviously take with a pinch of salt what the student camp say because it's in their interest to say it's closer but I also don't think you can ignore the fact mm-hmm. that increasingly when people are going on the ground and doing these groups so for example going and speaking to members those packages which we're hearing and seeing and reading it does feel as though there are still quite a few undecided when it comes to which way they're going to go and listening to some of those when they've they've been um, broadcast and so forth it does feel as though the economy is one of the things they're really thinking about so I think this is a chance where if it is the case that Liz Truss is over 30 points ahead it seems pretty hard for Rishi soon to turn that around now, now the ballot's going out if it's a bit closer I mean I think it definitely make the contest more competitive if people grow concern and they decide that they they like what Liz Truss is saying but they, they're not yet convinced of the mm. you know that it is going to work in practice that's clearly an opportunity for Rishi Sunak but it's too early to tell if that's going to land. And James, Steve Barkley, the incumbent health secretary, has also given an interview in which he says that NHS can't wait for solutions to the looming crisis. He is in government at the moment, but I guess, as we've talked about on this podcast, the government isn't really around. I think one of the challenges is this, is whoever becomes prime minister is going to get hit by a huge series of challenges straight away. And I think the question in some ways is, to what extent... Have you got contingency planning being worked up now so that on day one, whoever it is, can sit down and say, right, let's mm-hmm. do this, this and this and this, but let's not do that, that and that. And there's, 
And I think one of the things that is difficult here is that, yes, I think there have been meetings about transition between the two leadership teams and, 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 the, and the civil service. But I think one of the things that's difficult is in a general election campaign, there is a manifesto which very clearly states what everyone wants to do. And everyone knows the drill, which is during the general election campaign, these meetings generally start about a year before the election. It means that, you know, it obviously isn't perfect, but it does mean that there is a far greater awareness of what the two teams' priorities are and what they want to do straight away. And that that, that eases things. While as this time round, because it's a kind of internal party contest, I think it is. I think it is less clear mm. precisely what 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 they would do. I think one of the things about the challenges about this autumn and winter, which the Steve Barclay intervention makes clear, is is it's not just the cost of living crisis. It is the situation of where the NHS is at the moment. And if you look at the the charts on the NHS at the moment via the Spectator Data Hub, right. You would be forgiven for looking at those and thinking that we must be in December or January when actually we're in August. And I think this is this is one of the worries about those pressures. And also a point that, that both Katie and Isabella made on here, which is when you have been running the health service hot for so long because of COVID, you are dealing with far greater levels of exhaustion, staff absences, all of those things, but then you then you would be in, in, in normal times. It's not a case of saying to people, just brace for a difficult few months and you'll be out the other side. It's very hard to see where the 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 downturn in demand for um NHS services comes from given the backlogs and everything else. So I think this is I think this is it is a tricky question. And I thought it's kind of interesting and encouraging that you had briefing this morning that Nadim Zahawi, the Chancellor, intends to kind of reach out to both teams and basically say, look, kind of almost tell me what you're thinking about and we can kind of set the wheels in motion in terms of, of, of how to, to do it. I mean, that kind of thing is highly sensible because time is going to be of the essence for whoever whoever wins. The quicker that they can act will be the better. Always cheering to talk to you these days, James. Thanks very much for joining the podcast. Thanks very much, Katie. And thank you very much for listening.